everyone, and I'm so glad you were listening to this episode. It's an honor and a privilege to have each one of your seconds and minutes. So I wanted to give you a little heads up on this interview with my friend Ashley Hartwell. She's a mom of five. She served our nation in the army. She's a nurse. She's a lactation consultant. This girl does it all. We dive in to some pretty deep stuff in this interview. So parents, if you have little ones in the car, you might wanna turn on something else. Also, I wanted to let you guys know that we recorded this podcast in our new studio. And I'm just gonna ask for your grace in this because this is one of the first podcasts we've recorded in the studio. You'll hear it when it starts, but the audio is not where I want it. And my son is, he agrees with me. He thinks it could be better too. So you guys um, just have grace with my end of the conversation as far as audio. And we're getting it worked out. Stick with us. We're getting it fixed. Thanks, you guys. Let's dive into Ashley's conversation. I am doing great. And I am so excited to be on your podcast. Like so excited. Oh, this is so awesome. Okay. So Ashley and I haven't talked in a long time, um, but... I like all your stuff is coming up in my feed because I like it so much. And so when I like things, you know, it, the algorithms like come up to the top. So right. when I saw your post, I'm like, I should have Ashley on. She loves Jesus. Her foundation is in Christ. Her family loves Christ. She has made bold moves in her life for Christ. Like we, to hear your story is an honor and a privilege. So thank you for taking time oh, wow. out of your day to share it. Thank you. Wow. Um, that is really humbling. Um, I for sure feel like it doesn't feel like when you say it, it feels like you're talking about someone else. Like to me, this, <laughs> I don't know, but yes, thank you. I'm, I'm truly honored to share my life with people and I hope it really does encourage someone that's listening. Yes. We'll see. And that too, like when you say that, it just shows like when we are weak, God is strong. You know what I mean? Oh so, yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, please, Lord, let me be weak so you can be strong. Like, that's a big prayer, but okay, let's just dive in. Okay, okay. so tell us about yourself. Where, okay. uh, where are you from? It, and I know it's kind of like taking you back to the beginning, but like catch us up to speed on where you're at. Okay, so I'm long-winded, so I'm going to try to be very intentional to not be long-winded. So okay. um, I was born in Rochester, New York. Um my mom married a military person. And so I became a military brat at that point. And I've literally lived all over the world in Europe in Japan, um, Florida, Connecticut, ended up graduating high school in central Florida from my mom's alma mater from Haines city high school, which I'm very proud of that city and very proud of my family there. Yes. Um, from that point, I went in the military in October of 2002 I met my husband January of 2003. We married February 2003. Yes, the same year, the very <laughs> next month after we met. Wow. That's usually what people say, like the, the same year. Yes, the same year. Yes. Um, and that whole thing was a God thing. Um, I really was a very broken person when I met him and I had been through a lot. I don't mind sharing that I've been molested um, twice um, by people that were supposed to be a protector for me mm. and were father figures. And so that was at age four and then I, excuse me, age three. And then again, at age 14. Oh, and so, so sorry, it's okay because of who God is. Like you said, when we're weak, God's strength shows up in us and he can completely change the trajectory of our life when we allow that to happen. You know, yes. I'm not a victim. I'm not the molested girl. I am a daughter of the most incredible God that has so produced in my life that you wouldn't know unless I told you. And that's what God does. He mm. takes your very broken, traumatic, worst situations in, that you could possibly experience in life. And he comes in and he does this incredible thing that gives people hope because you realize, oh, it's not that she's so, it's not that I'm so special and that I'm just so brilliant and so smart. And I was just able to overcome those situations. Mm. It's because the same God that showed up in my life can show up in your life and just completely heal and completely um, produce in you what cannot happen without him. Like it can't wow. happen any other way. I can't read enough self-help books. I can't get enough, you know, counseling. I can't, I can't, do it on my own. It required me surrendering every place in myself to him and then him showing me what he wanted to do with my life. And counseling is good. I do have yes. a counselor and fitness yes. is good. And I do 
think that that's a priority to 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 be intentional about what you put into your body and, and helping your body be its healthiest. But what yes. I'm saying is all those things and self-help books, there's nothing wrong with that. When people have had experiences and they share their successes with you and you can glean from that. But what I'm saying is that all that is not going to be the cure. Those are just things mm-hmm. that can help aid. You you have to have the Holy Spirit. But you have to have it. it. Yes. You can't any other way. I mean, I think you can feel a sense of things being okay for a season, if you will. Right. But the Holy Spirit is the only one that can truly completely change like a chemical transformation where it's right. no longer what it was like seriously cannot be I can never be that person that I was again because I'm completely somebody different now right um, well and two, not to stop you from your story but like to add on with that about how important the Holy Spirit is like God's word I just in my heart I don't know what is going on that just I don't know if God's put on my heart or what but just I've seen where there's these motivational speeches about people saying, Oh, God is great. God is good. All this stuff. But there's no, um, there's no scripture backing what they're saying. And, and I, I don't, I'm just like, my mind is warped around it because I'm just like, like, and you and I are going to dive into um, this. We're going to dive into God's word here in a minute, but I don't know how you feel about that. Like when someone is talking and they're not talking about God's word. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This book has a book of promises. Like, let me tell you who you are. And you can mm-hmm. find it in his word, like how great and um, how great he is. And anyway, I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but the Holy Spirit is one thing. And like, um, it's a non-negotiable, like being in God's word. Like we have to be in God's word. You know what I mean? Oh, it is like, <laughs> yo, I can always tell. I mean, to the point of like depression, like it'll right. come knocking and crouching at my door. Yes. And it's really one of those indicators for me I've learned in my walk with him that it's an indicator that I've just not had enough of hearing what his word says, hearing yes. his voice and really rehearsing that in me. And there's a lot of things that sound good out there. You know, a lot of things that can get you pumped up and encouraged. Yeah. Because yes. they're not rooted in the word of God. They're not, a, they're not an adequate source. If that okay. makes sense. So it won't, it won't be enough to sustain you. You know, it's just like, okay, if we let our children have their way, they're going to eat junk food and junk food and junk food and candy. And that's it. They're not going to have and make the choices that are nourishing to their bodies. It's going to help their bodies be healthy and strong and sustain. So stuff like the things they want to eat, it feels good at first, gives you a little high, but then it is something that deteriorates you on the inside. Like candy breaks down your immune system and it makes you more susceptible for, illness and and just this whole deal it's the same thing with these things that sound good like they'll give you a little high they'll kind of get you whatever but because they're not rooted in a source that really sustains you it'll eventually break you down because you get to a point where you realize it's not enough and you've been trying to sustain yourself up with something that doesn't have full substance for you so the word is that like it is that for sure well, and your background is in being a pastor. So I didn't even realize when I was saying that earlier, but like, you can really speak to that. So anyway, just to encourage people who are listening, like <laughs> if you haven't opened up God's word in a while, like just open it up, read one scripture, like just yeah. one is fine. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. it would be great to read a book, but like one scripture is totally fine. Like one of my mentors told me one time, Donna Murphy, she's been on the podcast, but she's like, if you read like seven or eight scriptures, you can kind of like in a row, you can kind of understand what's happening. If you're like Mm -hmm. just looking to like, if you're just beginning to read God's word and you just want to understand it, I don't know how you And there's so many resources now. Like you have, like, if you, if you just know, if you just want to start with the idea, because we all have apps and and Google, but if you wanted to just say, you know what, I I don't really know where to start. Start with what's burdenous to you in your life right now. If you're having a hard time with your self image or you're having a hard time with, love or receiving love or giving love or maybe you know you're dealing with a lot of anger for some reason or you just feel really broken I mean just if you can identify one thing a word that you can apply to something that you feel like would be helpful for you in this season if you google that word for like scriptures pertaining to that word or you go to your bible app and you put that word in they will give you a plethora of scriptures to begin to kind of meditate on or to begin to just dive into, like you said, one scripture and breaking that thing down, look up the meaning of the different words in that scripture, just to gain a deeper understanding, like so many ways to approach it. You just don't want to put these standards on yourself that it has to look a certain way. It does not. 
You do not yes. have to like candle. You do not have to like have worship music playing. You don't have to be, you don't have to have showered. You don't have to have brushed your teeth yet. Like you <laughs> can come completely raw in his presence and just letting him know like, God, I desire to know more. I don't know how, but yeah. some lady on a podcast said that I could Google this one word and scriptures that pertain to it. Could you just please meet me there? Yes. Meet me there. Just meet me there. And he does. He will meet oh, yeah. you right there. And he'll begin to draw you and pull you and grow you and stretch you into yes. this new place. You yes. don't have to have it all figured out. Oh, I love that. Well, and two, I didn't mean to um, sidetrack you from the, talking about you and your husband, because I do want to dive into that. I think people will really be encouraged by y'all's marriage and relationship and just how you two love each other through um, life seasons. Um, but thank you so much for your wisdom in talking about God's word, because I just don't want people to leave this podcast and think, um, oh, they're just talking about their life. No, 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 no. We value God's word. Like this is where the foundation of this podcast is. So, okay, Ashley, talk to us about you and your husband and y'all's relationship back to where you were. Um, okay. So, um, like I said, I was really super broken when I met him and I'm so you know I'm real transparent, Ricky, and right. um, I don't know any other way to be. So people forgive me if I am a little too raw. Um, I'm not apologizing for that. I believe that God has made me this way, but sometimes it can be a bit much because I just am very transparent. But when I met him, the thoughts I had were he was very attractive, and I was sure I would probably have sex with him. But <laughs> marriage was the furthest thing from my mind, and. <laughs> That's just how I viewed myself. That's how much value I had for myself at that time. And it was something that was socially acceptable. And that's just how I navigated life at that time. Kind okay. of whatever made me feel good was what I was going to do. So um, I meet him. And in a very short while, obviously, we begin to really, our emotions for each other and our love for each other grew very quickly. And um, it was Valentine's Day weekend. We'd gone out and we had a hotel room for the weekend. And I got back to the room. I had a conversation with um, someone in my family that really upset me and had me really emotional and crying. Um, my mom and I had gotten into an argument over the phone because she was very disappointed in me that I had a hotel room with this guy. Okay. So she hung up on me. And at this point, I'm already in my emotions and I knew I really cared about him, but I didn't feel I had been super forthcoming about my past with him because I didn't really know him or trust him to go there. But I thought, Hey, I like this guy. I really need to give him a fighting chance. I'm going to tell him all my skeletons, everything I've ever done, every molestation that ever happened, every person I've ever had sex with. Like, we're about to go into it. That way he knows I'm pretty dysfunctional and I know it. I don't really feel like I have a lot of hope for it. So if you want to deal with my dysfunction, that will be your choice. But I want to at least give you that choice was my frame of mind just to give you a little precedence. So I told him all this stuff. And his response to me was to look me square in the eyes. And he told me that um, all those things made me who I was in that day and that he loved the person that I was. And then he asked me to marry him. Mm. Well, I was not prepared for that at all. I felt really kind of shocked by his response and completely caught off guard. And I knew marriage was a big deal. And so I didn't just answer him. I told him I had to use the bathroom, but really I just needed to go pray and I didn't know how to get away to do that. So he said, okay. So I go in the bathroom. I'm snotting. I have been crying. My eyes all red and puffy. My nose oh, is red. I was yeah. making snot balls all over my hair because every time I wipe my face, I like grab my hair. And so then I'm even more broken in the bathroom seeing my, like my presentation and him asking me like at my most broken presentation at that point in front of him. And I just inside of myself secretly pray, God, I know I'm not really living for you right now, but I know that marriage was your territory and I don't know what to do. I need a sign. I don't want to marry this man and ruin his life. I don't want to not marry him. And he's the, the one that you chose for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I say that inside. And I, I wash my face. I kind of brush my hair out, put it in a little messy bun and I come out and he's knelt down and he says, Hey, I really feel like we should pray because a family that prays together will stay together. Wow. My, my side. Oh, that yeah. is incredible. Okay. So, whoa. Okay. So he says, so we he need didn't to pray. hear my prayer because I did it inside. But when I came out, it's like, it was an immediate response to my prayer. That's how I felt. Like I felt very sure. Like that was it. 
So I'm like, I will marry you. So we're so young and dumb. We don't even know that you need a license to get married. So we're calling pastors in a phone book because we were in school in the army and we didn't have like a church. And uh, one of the pastors informs us that we need a license. And I'm like, that's crazy. You need a license to get married. I mean, like super young and silly. So we finally go get that license. We got married in El Paso. Pastor Jose um, Gonzalez married us in his hotel room. His son was one of our soldier mates and had told his dad about us. Okay. And his dad agreed to marry us. So we showed up there. He married us. And we were very married. Now, moving forward. I was 19 the day we got married for one month exactly, and he was 20. Um, marriage was really easy in that moment because we were both in school. So we literally got married and had to go like back to our own barracks rooms, you know, like for okay. months. So once we started living together, which was like maybe six months later, um, is when things really started to surface. The, the brokenness and my dysfunction got very evident for him. He didn't... He did not know how crazy I was, like, really. And when I say crazy, I just mean, like, I didn't respond to things in a normal fashion. Like, if if you and I had a date to go grab coffee, right. and you text me and said, hey, I'm not going to be able to make it because something came up, that would have been a whole ordeal for me. Like, that would have really? been a huge problem. There would have been no grace there. Like it was so much hurt. I felt rejected like about everything. So any interaction like that for me with him was like 10 times worse for him. So I was very emotionally and like backwards. And I didn't like when things were calm and quiet. I I, I would feel really uncomfortable, like something bad was going to happen. Right. So I would provoke a lot of like arguments and contention between us because I'm like, okay, at least I can kind of, I know what to do with this. I know what to do with dysfunction. Function feels really off for me. So longer story made short, my heart really began to change as I started to become a parent. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be dysfunctional for my children. I wanted to love them well. And I really pursued God in that season. I respected always that he existed and never questioned that but living for him felt very confusing I didn't know how to do that I knew how to go to church on Sundays what to wear what what I could and could not say what was appropriate behavior but I didn't feel like anyone ever taught me or prepared me or example for me what does a Christian lifestyle look like Monday through Saturday you know like what do you do how do you really study the word of God when you pray is there a way that you have to pray so he hears you? Like, I, those are the types of questions I had. Even though I knew he existed, I didn't think he was God with us. I feel like he was God out there watching us type of thing. Right. So anyhow, intimacy intimacy with the Lord really started to kind of be kickstarted as I became a mother. And um, in the dynamics of our marriage, becoming a mom kind of pulled me away from my husband because I felt she needed me and he was an adult. He was fine. She's a child. Like she can't do anything for herself. So we had that happen and we kind of navigated it as well as you can when you're young and you don't really know it was fine. You don't even realize you have that big of a problem. And then we got pregnant with our second child and he got deployed. No. And that was an eye opener for me because it was one of those things where I thought we had a pretty good relationship, but then in his absence, you realize how much stuff that you do that's petty. I would hold grudges. I wouldn't talk to him for like days at a time. If he made me mad, I would try to teach him lessons, like all this really silly stuff. And you realize when they're gone and there's a potential that they won't come back. Like when he gets back, God, if if you allow him to come back, I'm not going to do that kind of stuff anymore. I'm going to love him well. I'm going to communicate with him. I'm going to be an example for my children of what those dynamics should be like. They're not going to have the same kind of questions we had coming up because he grew up in a single parent home. And I grew up in a house where my mom was married, but my stepdad is one of the people who molested me. Mm -hmm. So there was a dysfunction in my understanding there with relationships and then also, uh, my mom's always been very much a strong personality. So submission wasn't really modeled in our household. My mom always kind of wore the pants and the panties, I like to say. Um, That's my mom, too. If she's listening to this, she knows it, okay? Right. She wears the right. pants and the panties. <laughs> my mom is not, you know, she would not be surprised. She always teases me. I don't know where you learned how to mind from because you did not learn that from me. I'm like, I know, I know. The Holy Spirit had to help me because I needed to learn. So anyhow, he returns and I'm thinking things are going to go back to the way they were as far as the stability of his schedule, but he was in a new unit and it was totally different. So 
you condition yourself a certain way when your spouse is away and you're having to single parent because of them being deployed. But when they're home and they're gone as much as they were when they were deployed, it created a bitterness on the inside of me because I'm like, you're home now. And it was no fault of his own. I mean, he's in the military. He has to do what is required of him. Um, But because of my dysfunction, um, I didn't know how to really anchor down in the Lord and navigate that with the grace and the mercy I needed to still love him well. So I opened myself up to um, finding that type of emotional connection with people from my past, in particular, a boyfriend from my past. Um, So I would talk to him most every day. My husband didn't know about it, but it was my way of coping with him having to be away at work so much and being at home with the children and just not really feeling valued or seen or um, really like myself. Um, I felt like I had to be what everyone else needed which leaves very little time for you to attend to the, your own needs. Um, so he ends up getting stop loss and having to return back to Iraq. And at that point I was like, this is not going to work. I had already built this emotional connection with my ex. Um, my husband leaves. I have a physical now connection. I, I have an adulterous relationship with this ex-boyfriend. Oh, wow. Tell my husband while he's in Iraq. It breaks him. He's very broken from it. He ends up having extramarital affairs there as well. And this was kind of condition of our marriage in like 2006, 2007-ish. So I'm feeling super away from myself at this point. I've now moved from New York down to Florida. I'm still, I have the two children and I am going to the club almost every weekend, getting a babysitter for the babies. Um, just doing things that I had not done like since high school, you know, and living this lifestyle that just wasn't me, but I loved and I craved the attention and it felt good to, you know, look, be looked at with someone by someone with attraction in their eyes, because, you know, when you have babies, your body changes. um, Oh yeah. Wow. (laughs) Let me tell you. you. (laughs) Yes. Oh Yeah. Being away from God and not having, not being in a good space with my husband, I needed, I felt I needed that attention and I craved that from other people. So when you're molested, sometimes what happens is you lose your voice and you lose your ability to advocate for yourself well. Mm-hmm. So for me, if you got me in a situation, then it was probably going to happen. If you were able to get me alone, you could probably take advantage of me because my voice was so silenced that even though I wouldn't want to do something mm-hmm. like actively doing something or saying something to make it stop, I felt locked up on the inside. I couldn't do it. The only way I could avoid something happening was to avoid the situation altogether, if that makes okay. sense. So, um, I remember coming home from the club one night really late, went to bed. That morning I got up and I just happened to catch myself in the mirror and I broke into a thousand pieces just reflecting on Just all like the time. that? Just like yeah. literally seeing yourself in the mirror? Yeah, because like my, my makeup was really smeary. My hair was a mess. I knew what I did the night before and subsequent weeks before that and it was just like reckoning with all of that in the mirror in that moment and thinking about all the times that things happen that I didn't want to happen Mm -hmm. that I didn't know how to make stop happening and I just didn't want to be at that space in my life anymore I'm like I'm a mom you know I want to I want to be a good mom and I don't want to feel like this and I, I hate this void place that I feel like I feel numb and it's just not it's not a place I want to remain. So um, I remember crying out to God in my bathroom that day on the floor. And um, I just told him, God, I don't know how to find you, but I know I really need you. And I had never found the church on my own. I always went to church with my parents or we knew someone and and we went because we were invited. And so I told him, I said, God, I'm just going to start talking to you until you talk back to me. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to listen to music. I'm just going to talk to you. And at some point you're going to talk to me. And so I went and got the phone book and I opened it up to find a church. And it was, I cried because there were so many churches. I didn't know where to even begin. Really? And so that week I was just talking to him and, um, I met a lady at a big 10 tire store that invited me to church. And I went to that church. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it was just all God. I met her. She had the cutest little baby. And I was just, I was drawn by her baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. And, 
she um we laughed and talked and she didn't talk to me about God. She just talked to me about like normal stuff. Um, and then she's like, let's go to church. <laughs> the, at the very end, because her, her car was done before mine, she said, hey, um, I'd like to invite you to my church. I think you and your children would really like it. And she gave me her little card and it had her name on it and um, her role there. She was an elder there. And um, I remember being like, mm, okay, I didn't even catch that. Like, this is what I was praying for. Like I told him, like, I couldn't find a church and they did his help. So when she invited me to church, I just thought it was weird. I was like, oh, okay, we'll see, you know, type yeah. of thing. Put the card in my pocket. I think I was out of town for like two weeks and I came back and I was like, oh, I should go to that church she invited me to. She was really nice. So I went and we were like super late, just trying to get them situated and get them out the door. And I thought it started at one time, but it started another time. But when we got there, I felt the presence of God really strong there. And it felt really good. Like, um, I think this is a safe place for us. And so we remained there for 10 years. Um, And I came in super broken and messed up. And it's like God got a hold of me and he just began to set me in the trajectory of his plan for my life. Again, only because I I came in there, I didn't want a seat at the table. I just wanted the crumbs on the ground. Mm-hmm. Like y'all keep doing whatever y'all are doing. I'm just gonna take, take these little nuggets, these little morsels here, and I'm good. Like I'm happy with that. Okay. And the Lord was like, No, because of your humility, I'm gonna do something that's gonna radically change your life and any life that you come into contact with. And that's what He told me He'd do. And so part of that was my marriage. I really didn't think we would be able to be restored. I'd never seen anybody go through what him and I went through, the lies, the deceit, the adultery, all of it, um, the deception and come back around. It was like people that I saw stay together because of the children, they hated each other. It was like a a marriage of convenience or a partnership. And I was like, I do not want that. I don't want my children thinking that's normal. So I had already accepted that I had failed at my marriage and that's just what it was going to be. And so I remember I maybe been there a few months at this point, my husband's still in Iraq. And, um, I was just behind standing behind someone at the altar that was being prayed for. And I was just kind of behind her, just praying that God would just touch her in that place that she most needed him to, and just in interceding. And, um, the pastor that was praying for her, when he was done praying for her, he put his hand on my shoulder and he began to pray for me, even though that was not the reason I was up there. You were there for someone else. Oh, completely for someone else. Like I felt pretty good at that point. I was like, I felt like God had been meeting me on a very real level and I felt healing happening. And I just accepted that like my marriage just, we would have to figure out how to be friends for the children. And I hadn't talked to anyone about my marriage because I didn't really trust people at church. I had seen people be very uh, shady. And so even though I couldn't shake that, I felt the presence of God was there. The rest of it, I was not sure about just yet, you know, still kind of getting my bearings. So this man put his hands on my shoulder and Ricky, he read my mail and he talked about how God did not call me to a, um, merger. He called me to a marriage. He did not call me to a contract. He called me to a covenant. Wow. And how God was going to restore my marriage, a marriage that this man did not even know was a problem because I had never talked to him about anything, let alone my marriage. Um, so I was really overwhelmed by that. I didn't really understand the prophetic at that time. And so I did not know how he knew what he knew. Like I was really like shocked, but so that place on the inside of me wanted everything he was saying to be true. I'm like, if you can do it, God, I want you to, I just didn't know it was an option, you know? Right. So my husband comes home for his two weeks and that first week was hellacious. We got into it. There was more information he didn't know about and I, he's finding out about it. And it was really tumultuous. It was bad. Um, that second week, you know, we're trying to play nice in front of the children, but we're not really in a good space. Um, we go to church. We both get inundated with people who are just very prophetically speaking into our marriage, um, things they could not possibly know. And it really affected us in such a real way that I knew in that interaction, every lie I had believed that made me susceptible to us having adultery take place in our marriage was confronted and dispelled. So the three lies I believed was that I was too young to get married. I didn't know myself well enough when I got married and that him and I didn't know each other long enough when we got married. So I was 19 when we got married for one month. We knew each other for a month before we got married and I was super messed up when we got married. So it's like, if any of those scenarios had to change, we would have been in a better place, you know? And I believe that was a good reason to get out of the marriage or for the things to have happened. 
So when the Lord really spoke to those three things specifically that I didn't tell people were the things that the enemy was using as um, a way to convince me that those lies were truth. Man, I was like, all right, well, God, all I need to know and be reminded of is that this is your choice for me. If it is too easy, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that we're, we're good. So he goes back to Iraq. We're in a good space. He calls me the following week. I'm folding clothes, children taking a nap. I still remember sitting on the bed. I like, I love natural light. So I had the light off in my room with the natural light coming through the window. And um, he says, I have something to tell you. And I said, yeah, what's going on? Folding clothes. And he says, um, I cheated. And I said, I know. Duh, like we already talked about all this stuff. And he right. was like, no, babe. Like I've cheated since I've been back. Oh, no. And I stopped and I just... I said, I love you, but I can't talk to you right now. Like, why did you do that? Like, you, you know, we both heard the same things that God said. And he said, I just, I just didn't know if it was real. Like you, every time I leave, you do something. And then when I come home, I find out about it when I get back. And this time I just felt like, you know, this time when I come home and you tell me something that you didn't tell me. I'm going to have something to tell you too. He said, but I felt so horrible. I just had to tell you. Mm. And I was like, wow, uh, I have to talk to you later. So I hung up and he's apologetic and he's, you know, sorry. And I, I hang up and I'm sitting there talking to the Holy Spirit. And I was like, God, you, you said all these things. You're going to restore our marriage. You're going to use our marriage to bless other marriages. And he went back and he cheated. Like, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. Right. And the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit spoke to me like if we're speaking now. And he said, I knew all of that before I told you what I told you and what I said still remains. Mm. And it just hit me in such a solid place. It was one of those things where it was like, that didn't catch the Lord unaware. He knew when he told us what he was going to do, that my husband was going to do that. You know, like he already knew. And when I tell you the peace settled so strong on the inside of me in that moment, we never had an issue from that, that moment forward with infidelity ever, never again. Wow. Like, and I think it's ever. important for people to know that you all have five children, yes. right? Like, I mean, yes. I think it's important for people to know, like raising kids is no piece of cake. You know what I mean? Oh my so you God, guys no. are going through, you guys are mending a marriage. You already have two children and then three more come, right? Absolutely. We had the two. He gets back from Iraq. Um, we get pregnant right away, which was not the plan at all. I start little blessings. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, Lord, seriously. So we're pregnant. We're mending our marriage in person now, which is a lot different having to readjust and, and see where your trust levels are with one another. And you're trying to walk this thing out. You have the two little ones, one on the way I'm in nursing school, which is like the devil in and of itself. I'm so trying hard. to. I mean, as a pregnant person, when you're trying to learn, it is so hard. That pregnancy oh, yeah. brain is, is real because so much of your blood is being reallocated to your placenta that your brain doesn't get as much support as it did. It's a real thing. I learned that while I was in nursing school and I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why I feel dumb all the time. That explains so, so much. Like any, any person who's listening right now who's had a child, they're just they're thinking like, back to all the dumb things that they said when they were pregnant. Man. Like, oh man, I hope they forget. And it yeah. takes you like a year and a half to kind of fully recover from that. But I struggled through that. Um, but to be honest, he got back and we walked through this, this deal. And I remember like maybe, maybe four months after he was back home, we were sitting on the couch, rubbing each other's feet on either side of the couch. And I looked at him and I said, we're not supposed to be here. And he said, what do you mean? I said, we should not be okay. Like we should be really messed up individuals that hate each other. And we're sitting on the couch in a house where there's so much peace and there's so much joy and we're rubbing each other's feet. Like what in the what? And he said, man, you're right. Like that's something only God could do. Like that's something only the Holy Spirit could do. But he spoke truth to places that as individuals, we believe were lives from our upbringing that affected how we viewed each other and how we viewed the world around us. And we needed that in order to be able to really let the Holy Spirit have his way. So from that point to the next, we had our, our daughter um, in the middle of nursing school. I finished nursing school, passed my boards, got a job, ended up getting pregnant that next year. We had our, third, our fourth child. And then when I met him, he had a son that we found out when our son was three was not his biological child. And we adopted, we had the opportunity 
um, to adopt him when he turned 11, which is something God had promised me from when he was three. So wow. all five of the children together, I love our that. restored. We're in full-time ministry. And my husband is one of those types of men that he's six, four, he's dark skin complected, very strong, very confident. Um, a man's man, mm-hmm. but he's one of those men who loves me so hard that I couldn't deny the power of the Holy Spirit, like that it right. really existed. And that Jesus love and heart for me was so real that he gave me that man, a man that had to be exactly who my husband is when I talk about his strength and his confidence. Um, but understood that his strength and his confidence was not to, to try to keep me from being exactly who I'm called to be, which is a very strong person as well. So in that, I was just, mar- I marvel at it because he's one of the most supportive people I've ever experienced to date, to the point that when I talk to people sometimes, and I've experienced this, especially in ministry, because ministry for women, especially if you're kind of in a lead place, it's a very hard place. There's a lot of um, misogyny in ministry. And so when you're dealing with that on a whole, and you have a husband who doesn't recognize that they operate in it, it's so, it can so break you. And that's something that I never had to deal with with him. He would push me and encourage me. And he, I mean, he could, he would remind me that I could do things because God would say stuff, you know, and you're in your mind, like, there's just no way I have these children. I have a job, like I have these different things. And my husband would be like, absolutely. You can, like, oh, absolutely I love that. you can, you know, like, he just always was able to see in me the things that I couldn't see yet. He's like, he's always a step ahead in seeing it. Like I, I catch I up later, that. like, oh yeah, I can do this. But it's because he reminds me that I can, and he shows me that I can, and he defends me and he stands up for the gifts and the talents on the inside of me, um, which I just love seeing because I think that men and women, especially in a marriage, have to be able to respect the call of God in each other's life and know that your differences are really gifts that God gives you. We can't both be the same. That's not healthy for our dynamic as a couple or our family dynamic. Right. And that's not how he made us. Yeah. Right. We bring a certain balance to the whole experience that is so, um, so necessary. The way that his mind works is totally different than how mine works. So in the beginning, I thought there was a problem. Like he's got a problem. He does. How does he not see this? And how does he not, you know, like it was like an issue, our differences, but realizing that like God did that on purpose because it brings such um, perspective that the people that we encounter, they're not going to be like one of us. It's going to take the both of us giving and bringing it together and submitting that under God for him to really speak on it, breathe on it and bring life to it. And it has been extremely powerful just seeing that. So we don't mind telling people the stuff we've been through because it really highlights the glory of who God is in our lives. Yes. And um, the That's love so that we beautiful. have for each other. He's the source, man. We love each other from a source that is not within ourselves. It's in who God is so well and that's the thing like people who are listening to this podcast and maybe they have had infidel- infidelity in their marriage sorry that's a really difficult word to say but yeah um, maybe they have had that in their marriage and they're listening to your story and they're encouraged by it but they just don't know what to do next you know they don't know okay I mean I do love him I you know I want to continue this marriage what would you say to encourage the person listening who's in that situation I'll tell you what, um, I've heard people tell me before, well, that person doesn't want it anymore. One of the, one of the people in the relationship just are done. They're finished. And, um, the thing about it is we were that at different points in the marriage. I was done. I was finished. I had cheated. I was on to be with my ex-boyfriend, but my husband was so rooted in his relationship with God that in all the stuff that I was doing, the way that he loved me through that was so convicting that I couldn't. I couldn't get too far beyond, like I couldn't get into those plans that I was making. I couldn't get so far into the illusion that I was creating for my life because the love of God would so prick me. And what I mean by that is if he had at any point been like, you know, you're a stupid B word and you're a whore and I can't believe this and that and that and treated me really poorly, then I wouldn't have. I would have felt completely validated. I would have been like, yeah, see, this is not going to work, blah, 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 blah. Like this is that and that is this. But the way that he would love me consistently, it held this mirror up to me where the Holy Spirit was able to be my my measuring stick, not him. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't judge me. Um, 
and not to say that he did that perfectly because like I said he had he, he cheated also but it's like the Lord the Lord had to become our priority not our marriage like I look at it like this is one of those things where I say the Lord is jealous for us so even if you prioritize that you make your husband or your wife or your children an idol that's going to be a problem for the Lord. He didn't give you your husband. He didn't give you your wife or your children for you to, to esteem them higher than God himself. Yeah. So if you can focus on surrendering that marriage, surrendering that whatever it is to God and saying, I'm putting this on the altar for you to consume it and to, to birth in it now something that is altogether yourself. I trust you, whatever's going to happen. And you are obedient to do what he tells you to do. I promise that however it plays out, you will be a blessed person, however it plays out. Because sometimes it doesn't end in the restoration of marriage. And the reason that it doesn't is because it takes two people completely surrendered to Christ. I had to completely surrender and do it God's way, which I didn't want to do because it required me to be so brutally honest about the things I had done that the shame almost in itself liked to kill me, you know? Um, But because because I was willing to do that and put it on the altar and say, God, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do with the realization that my husband may not be able to, he may not be able to forgive me, which is, that's his, I can't control that part, but I'm going to do what I can control, which is to completely surrender this thing to you. And if you are able to breathe into it and bring it back to life, I believe that you will. And in our situation, the way that he ministered through my husband, when I needed him to do it, and then the way that he ministered through me to my husband when he needed it, which is when he returned from Iraq, he was so broken from the things that had happened while he was away that I had to be so rooted in that place with God that I was able to have the grace that was needed to walk through that place of his distrust and all of that kind of stuff when he returned. But it was on me because I already knew what God was telling me as an individual. And I yes. had to maintain that right standing with God because that's who I ultimately made a covenant with. I couldn't be worried or try to control how my husband was going to go through that process. Yeah. Like that wasn't for me to decide. I had to let God be my eyes and be my ears because things can look very different. You talk to people who knew us back then, they're still shocked. They're still in awe. Like it's You still- two are so beautiful. Like I can't imagine y'all not together. Um, well, there's one thing I wanted to mention. You used the word mirror a couple times. Like, um, you just mentioned it a couple minutes ago, but then you were talking about when you woke up and you had a night out partying and it was the right. next morning and you saw your face in the mirror and it just reminded me of James chapter one, 23 through 25. Can I read that real quick? Do you mind? Yes, please. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because this scripture has really hit home for in my life too this year. So I just, I love this. Okay. Here, listen to this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard. Oh my gosh. Cause you persevered through this. Oh my gosh. It's like, I want to cry. This is like, this is legit. Okay. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it they will be blessed in what they do. Ashley, this scripture is a testament to your story. You look in the mirror. You said, this is not me. This is not what I want to do. And then this turmoil was still coming down the road. Like it wasn't, you weren't getting lucky charms going down a golden road. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't perfect, but not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. Staying in God's word, listening to his word, praying, praying to God, asking God for his wisdom. What do I do? Even when you don't know what to do, you're like, God, what do I do? Just help me out here. I'm not going to, I'm waiting until you say something to me. And then now we're seeing the fruits of that. We're seeing the fruits of what you've done to get to where you are today. They will be blessed in what they do. Listen, that is it a hundred percent. Like, and you know why I think the mirror is so relevant is the only way, like for your babies, our babies, yes. they, they're interpreting what they see based on what is being told to them. Like we're, yes. we're the ones who know 
what they're going to think about what they see when they're viewing something in the mirror. We're the one who teaches them that they have blonde hair or or brown hair or whatever the case, right? Right. So in a way, the word of God does that. It tells us what we're looking at. It tells us it's it's our measuring stick. It says it, what, what the word had already become inside of me when I was going through all that stuff, when I caught myself in the mirror, that was the word sending up on the inside of me saying, that's not you. Mm-hmm. That's not you. Yes. You don't recognize yourself because you're so far from who I have said that you are. You're so far from the identity that I've given you. You're so far away from me that you don't recognize yourself. It was that place in my spirit that was like, that's not you. That mm-hmm. was only able to tell me that because it was connected to the word of God and what he says about me. And I yes. was not that person. So the mirror and that in the word, they're synonymous. Like they are that's the only way it makes sense is that the word of God is what tells you what you see when you're seeing something in the mirror, like it defines it for you. Yes. Ephesians four one as a prisoner for the Lord that I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely Mm -hmm. humble and gentle. That goes into verse two, but you guys, when you look into the mirror today, know that you are called from the Lord. You know what I mean? Like your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. And Sometimes all you have to do is just like you in your story is just pray and say, God, I'm just going to wait here until I hear your voice. Yeah, I'm going to do life. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to take care of my responsibilities. But God, I am not going to stop talking to you and engaging you until you show yourself some kind of way. And you just prove me, prove me. Like if you seek or you not, I'm going to show up. You see, you're going to find me. If you knock, I'm going to show up at the door. Like he's not going to let you do all these efforts in pursuit of him and just be like, oh, that's cute. Look at them wearing themselves out trying to find me. He's so incredibly in love with us and so dedicated to us to become the people that he's destined us to be because it is his great pleasure to bless us as his children that he is like elated when you want time with him, like elated. He cannot wait for me to come to that place of understanding and reckoning with like, that's not that's not me. That's not who my dad says that I am. Yeah. I need to go talk to my dad. I need time with my dad. And that time wasn't for him. It's the time is not for him necessarily to show up. It's for you to get to a place where you recognize him. You see him, you hear him. So when you've been walking wayward or you've been in a place where you've not really been engaging him, you've not really been in the word, or maybe you never have, or maybe you were never taught. It takes a little bit of time to be able to recognize your dad's voice. You know, like, Babies hear their father's voice in the womb, like the whole time they're, the mommy's pregnant. So when that baby is born and that dad speaks and that baby kind of gets quiet and starts to kind of listen for that voice, it recognizes that voice. So if you're pregnant and your husband's been gone the whole time, that baby's going to have to learn that that voice is his father's voice, right? It's the same kind of parallel. So if you've not heard that voice in a while, it takes your ear a little bit of time to be tuned to like, oh that's my dad, you know, yeah, or he loves you know, me. Like, yes. Like he, so it's, it's not that he goes anywhere. He's always there. He's yes. always right there in the midst of even your worst moments and experiences. But sometimes it's a little harder for us to see him or to hear him. So however long it takes for us to be able to identify, Oh, there you are. You're right there. I see you. Right. Oh, okay. There's your voice. I feel you. I sense you. He's gracious to be with us the whole time until we figure it out. Like he's right. going to do that. He'll order your steps for sure. Okay. We could literally talk forever, <laughs> but if we keep talking, we're going to have to do podcast number two, which I think is, <laughs> it, that's going to be end up happening. So um, not to, not right now in this sitting, but right. um, as we're wrapping up here, just give us the scripture that's helped you through this season. Okay. So I guess you're not going to be able to see me while I read it, but it's okay. The scripture- the scripture that has been particularly penetrating is Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. And it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. Yes. Um, and the reason it's been such a extremely powerful scripture for me in this season is um, what's going on in our world right now with the racial tensions that we're facing and in particularly for me as a Christian woman um, and a black 
Christian women, I think it's yes. important for me to add, not because it matters to me that I'm black, but because it matters to people in this world, apparently that I'm black. So with all that being said, as I'm navigating what God is requiring of me, and as I'm trying to help my children understand or people who are interested in really knowing and understanding, this scripture always resonates with me because it's one of those things where in humility, the Holy Spirit can do so much in yes. humility. But that looks like me putting down my interests and saying that, you know, I need to somehow try to work my interests in there. I need to somehow kind of make sure that they recognize what I'm talking about. It's none of that. It's saying I'm taking a complete backseat to this. And I'm looking at you, Ricky, and I'm saying, I see that there's something going on that is breaking and hurting you. Yeah. And I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not going to try to make this about anything other than pursuing how I can esteem you in this season so that you can be in a whole place. You can be not broken in the way that I see that you're broken. I can make your interest, my interest. It becomes something that's just as important to me because even though it may not affect me directly, if you're my sister and my brother and I'm called to love you as such, then it is my problem. Your problem's my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that to me has been important even for, di- for navigating because speaking up the way that I've been speaking up and I'm going to continue to speak up, especially where it pertains to the house of God. Right. Um, it has cost me relationships I can see already. And I've oh, seen no. people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I've gotten text messages. I've had conversations. Um, oh. I've gotten the subliminal messages on Facebook where they're not calling me out directly, but it's the timing and the things and the choice of words and all of that are very indicative that it's in the response to things that I've been posting. And the thing about it for me is that anything I've posted, I've not been angry or upset about. It's been a very broken, grievous place of the Holy Spirit and righteous indignation on the inside of me standing up to say, God is not for these things. And I have right. to call him out because the enemy, if he can get us fighting about all the things that don't matter and we're not right. actually calling it out and identifying it, then he's winning. You know, if I express to you in truth and in detail the things that I've experienced firsthand, it doesn't make me offended. It makes me a witness. I witnessed this thing happen because I experienced it firsthand and there's people that need to know that this is happening and what you're feeling is it's real and how you get out of it is like this, you know? So it's been really hard. And I say all that to say that how I've been able to also kind of navigate it is if you, Ricky, call me your sister, you say you care and you love me and you don't make the lives of the skin of the people whose skin are black, brown, whatever, that are being um, really, truly, systemically oppressed, mm. not just in the world that we live in, but in the church. Oh man! Then, when you reject me, or when you attack me, or when you gaslight me and you try to make yourself the victim and make me the problem, the way that I am able to draw into God in a place where as much as that hurts me and that breaks me and I've cried a lot of tears over that because my husband, myself and our family, we laid down our lives for many years. Yes. And for, to our, see country. People with, for our country, for the house of God, for our city, <laughs> um, to see people respond the way that some of them are responding has been very breaking, but the Lord has been very good to me to show me in his word if this is not how they're measuring and this is not how they're responding, let me handle it. I'm a mm-hmm. good God. I'm going to fight your battles. I got it. I'm going to yes. take care of that. And not in like a, I'm going to take care of that. Like, um, like, Oh, he's going to sick them and he's going to get them. Like, let me condition and take care of your heart. I got work. I got to do. Ooh, that's good. Children. You know, like those Bless. are his children too. Like, you know, like, like he's like, take care of you. Like take, cause the heart is like, um, there's a scripture that talks about from the heart. That's where everything flows from. Right. And so you're saying that God is calling you to a time of like, Hey, do some self care, take care of yourself, which is like a, a beautiful thing. And I'm going to handle this. Like, yes. Take sit, sit back. Okay. I'm following you. Sorry. I just needed to digest what you just said. Absolutely. Because you, you have a, you feel like, oh, I can't let this relationship go. Like this is, this, this is my people. And like, I don't, I don't understand why they're not understanding. Like, you know me, you know me, like I'm the same person just because I'm speaking up about injustices doesn't change who I am. If anything, I'm more truer to myself than I've ever been because I'm not allowing the oppressive place that I have been in to 
silence me. I'm letting God have his way in my life. And so you want to do your due diligence to try to convince them that uh, this is not a bad thing. Like you shouldn't be upset with me and you're trying to do, and it just hurts you more because of how they're responding. And it's like, God is like, I got that. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to do it in my time. I need you to stay focused here. I need you to kind kind of just let me take care of your heart. You don't have a responsibility to convince people that what's true is true. Like the truth is its own defender. And if people get upset about it and they get offended, someone once said many times, what offends you rebuilds you. And that's not like a comeback, like, well, you offended, so you need to figure out why you offended. It really okay. is like, okay, if I'm offended, why? That's my responsibility. Right. If you do something that is offensive, that I feel is offensive, it's not your responsibility to tell me why I'm offended. That's my responsibility to find out why I'm offended. And the Holy Spirit will help me understand that. And then he's going to tell me what to do about that. If it's a conversation with you, if there's something that you did that's wrong, we can navigate that. But I can't just be mad at you and I can't even tell you why I'm mad. You know, right. like that goes back to our first, the first part of the podcast about the reaction, how, how, you know, you were being reactive, which is something that I've had to work with in my life too, through counseling of like, when I hear something, it's like, oh, I had this feeling. Well, feelings aren't facts. You know that's what I right. mean? That's right. That's right. That's so true. Your feelings lie to you all the time. I mean, your emotions will lie to you. But saying all that to say that that scripture has been very ministering to me and helping me navigate this season of time. And to be honest, I don't really, I think that this is going to be a very, very long process. It's taken hundreds of years for it to be. It's a marathon. Oh yeah, it is. And I've had to kind of cry those tears too of reconciling the fact that I may not see the things happen that I believe God is, is meaning to happen in this world in my lifetime. And that was really heavy, but that's okay. I trust God to continue the work that he's begun. So, um, it's, it's a new season and I'm glad to have been able to catch up with you and to tell you what's going on. Yes. And that scripture, Philippians two, is it two through three? You said two, three through four, three through four. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to read that one more time. Cause I think it's so good. It, it really, um, for people who are trying, you know, just heard this conversation and, yeah. um, are just like, I want to lean in more. I want to lean in more, um, to God's word and try to understand this season. Um, Philippians two, three through four, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking into your own interest, but each of you into the interests of others, to the interests of others. So yeah. I think that's a beautiful place that you're um, seeing this because I don't know, I'm trying to like put myself in your shoes, which I can't relate to this at all. Um, but I feel like that's not the first thing I would have done. I would have thought about myself, you know? So, I mean, and we all do that as human nature. That's why we need who Christ is every bit of it on the inside of us to navigate this crazy stuff. Like it's hard. Um, and I think that that's the thing that some people feel a pressure to be, to know what to do. That's not the pressure. Um, I want you to just have enough um, incentive to really get along with God and, yes. and let him, let him humble you. Like that scripture is all about humility. And I think the issue that we run into is where there's pride or some people I realize are using it as an opportunity to, again, um, self-interest where if they have a business, they're going to say that black lives matter because they don't want to lose business, you know? Right. Um, right. I am seeing that a lot. Oh um, yeah. And you, and you recognize it, you know, yeah. it's happening. I'm not really that concerned about those things. I know how to kind of navigate that with wisdom and I know kind of the strategy that God has given me, but I think it's just more hurtful when it's supposed to be people who on their social media pages or in your life have proclaimed to be lovers of Christ and you can't seem to do what the scripture is telling us to do. Right. You know, like there is the scripture that talks about us loving our brothers as ourselves, our brothers and sisters as ourselves. Like we're commanded to love Christ and then love each other. And I know that a lot of people have used that scripture, but I felt that because people define love so differently mm-hmm. that that scripture in Philippians helps us to kind of break it down just a little bit more. What does yes. it look like? You know? So that's, oh, that's, that's good. the reason. Ashley, I don't want to wrap it up, but I've got to. I've got to. Yeah, I know. Um, I okay. Know. So if someone has been running through this podcast, good job. 
You have run for more than an hour and we're really proud of you. Ashley and I are. You did great. Yes, you did great. Okay. Yeah. Give yourself a high five. Um, Wow. So I love you. This is amazing. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Thank you, Jesus, for Ashley. And I always close out our podcast um, just praying in Jesus' name that we decrease and God increases in our life. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for having me. I love Ashley. Her story is encouraging and inspiring, and I just appreciate her time. She does have a podcast, and it's called Coming From My Heart. You can find her on Instagram at coming underscore from underscore my underscore and heart h-a-r-t her last name is hartwell so ashley hartwell and so coming from my heart h-a-r-t you guys are going to love her podcast i've really enjoyed it on spotify while cleaning up the house doing dinner things like that she has a very peaceful um just essence about her so you all check her out on spotify check her out on instagram she'll have more information on where you can listen to her podcast on her instagram page i love you ashley thank you for your time thank you so much for your grace with my audio we are working on it i promise you we are on top of this we will get this fixed so we've got a really cool series coming up for you guys called bettering women from god's word where we're talking to women who are experts in their field and they are sharing with us what god has showed them in their field because you know when you're working you're praying if you love god you know god you have jesus in your heart you're asking god for his wisdom in your day to day so we're talking to some women who are experts in their field from fitness to beauty, to our mental health, talking with a psychologist. So you guys, this is exciting. I'm focusing on the women here, okay? So whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're out there working, we're focusing on you in this next series and it's all about what God's word says and where we're at in life with all different kinds of things, our health, our beauty, all of the things. You're beautiful, don't forget it. Love you guys, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Ashley.